0: new here Um, my name's Kathy and my husband is a pastor and we're both pastors and we have three daughters and I remember when um, I told people that I had three daughters they kind of like clench like oh three daughters three girls and uh, I remember thinking to myself what's wrong with having three girls and you have you know mums who have sons oh you know sons just love their mums (laughs) sons just you know they're amazing and I think that's cool but I beg to differ, I am raising strong women, and I love all my girls, they're different. And uh, uh, this morning I woke up and I could smell bacon. That's right, bacon, that's my love, one of my love languages, bacon. Um, by the way, the Daniel fast is coming up on the 29th of May, so I ate like half a pig today anyway. Um, and I could smell the bacon, oh, the smell of bacon, and, um, and and the toast, and even the coffee, the coffee was good, and, uh, and I just want to just share something, it's an irrational fear that I've had all my life, and God dealt with it today, my girls blew up a lot of balloons, and if you don't know me, I, I um, as a kid, I used to be really fearful of a lot of things, clowns, uh, balloons, I hate balloons, it's like just hearing the squeaky noise of a balloon just freaked me out, um, hugs, I'm not a hugger, I used to tell people I'm not a hugger but now I've changed and I'm going to show you a, a video that kind of, you know, growing up in church life I became a Christian when I was 14 years old and uh, never regretted that decision because I find that with God My life has been, it's been hard, but with him, it's been amazing. And uh, yeah, so my girls blew up balloons and they said, mom, we're so sorry. We know you hate balloons. Um, Here's a bit of a fail as a parent. This is my own personal story. Uh, My kids never grew up with balloons at their parties. People used to bring balloons and I'd be like, hey, get that away from me. I don't want any popping, you know, and um, they grew up with that, and I'm so sorry, kids, you know, that you didn't have many balloons in your life, anyway, so this morning, it was like payback, God said, deal with your stupid fear of balloons, and I, and I walked through a sea of balloons, yes, <laughs> healing, healing, yeah, so healing happened. And uh, my girls blessed me this morning, and I just want to honor my kids. They're awesome. Had a great breakfast, lots of bacon. But remember the Daniel fast? This is something that our church does yearly. We've had our feasting. But now, May the 29th, we have a, our Daniel fast coming up. This is where we eat a lot of seeds. Uh, no where we're fasting for Breakthrough Before Shout Conference. It's an amazing time. No caffeine, everyone. So you may have a uh, grumpy pass uh, for a whole month because if you don't have coffee, you know, that's silly, isn't it? (laughs) Coffee should never affect your mood anyway. But I find that I'm a better Christian when I have one cup of coffee in the morning. (laughs) And uh, Sam, my husband, doesn't drink coffee, and he always says to me, you, you shouldn't rely on those drugs. And I'm like, well, you shouldn't rely on the sports channel. Yeah. That's right! Boom, right there! Anyway, so uh, I just showed, uh, we had our women's conference, and I showed this, this, uh, this video clip, if you can call it that. It's, is it called a video clip? Anyway. Um, I'm not up with, you know, modern uh, technology. Anyway, so... Just want to show you this video clip. Uh, I'm talking about irrational fears and what we project onto other people. And, uh, you know, in the last few weeks, I was thinking to myself, what am I projecting onto my children? And do I really want them to project it onto others when I'm not here? You know, when I pass away, I'm talking about anyway. Um, And uh, one of those things was hugs. Now, um, growing up in church life, when they used to have the time of turn around, give someone a greeting, something inside me would go, huh, I don't want to hug anybody. Like, this is, like, awkward time, you know, and uh, every Sunday, I'd be like, oh, gosh, anything to avoid a hug, um, and Sam used to pull me up because I used to go, hi, how are you? Like, you know, you just stick the hand out. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but in my heart, there was a fear that I would fail in hugging someone or it would just be so awkward. Um, you, know, you know, have you ever hugged someone, kissed them accidentally on the neck or the nose? Uh, you know, there's different things you you, know, you could do and maybe put your hand in the wrong place and there's just things like that. And I'd be like, oh God, I hate this time. I hate greeting people. You know, I'm Polynesian. It should be in my DNA to hug and kiss people. But sadly, but sadly it wasn't. And uh, I was with a friend last year and she uh, had, uh, she's a counsellor and she had been doing a thing called Zozo. It sounds really weird, but it's, it's legit, okay? Just in case you're like, what is she going on about? And she was just asking me questions and I thought, hang on a minute, don't you try and counsel me. Cause she said, Kathy, you say you know you're you're not a hugger, why? I'll be like, Oh, because I don't like hugs, you know, it's gross. Anyway, I like hugging my husband, though. That's why we've got three kids. <laughs> That's how it happens, anyway. Um, Are my daughters in here, they're probably like grossing out anyway. So uh so she was asking me these questions and I just we got around to it and I said look She said, when did it happen? When did you start, when did you stop liking hugs? And I said, oh, you know, she asked me that question and no one's ever um, said this to me before. And I said, I was six years old hiding behind a curtain. And she went, oh, that's interesting. And I went, oh no, she's got me. Anyway, (laughs) so uh, to cut a long story short, she prayed with me. And uh, nothing magical happened, you know, there wasn't any fairy dust that came from the. It was just like she prayed for me, and I went, oh. After I met with her, we were in Invercargill, I came back to Auckland, and I saw, saw a friend of mine, and I automatically hugged her. And she went, ho ho, hang on a minute. What's happened to you? And I said, why? She goes, you just went for a hug, and you didn't go for a handshake. I went, and? And she said, something's happened. What's happened? And it was like God had melted away the wall I had put put up since I was a little kid. And it's amazing the kind of things because I've seen in in my kids' responses to different uh, issues or circumstances or situations where I go, I can see myself in my children. And there are good things, but then there are bad things. So, um, this is just a lighthearted video, but this is kind of me from 14 up till now, and the kind of hugs, you know, I would do, there's a few hugs that I probably wouldn't do, but here's a video clip just to show you 10 awkward hugs.
1: Sponsored by Audible. Ah, uh, hugs. Hugs are a universal love language. Kind of a way of saying, hey, I like you. Come here. And it should come as no surprise that when two bodies meet, well, things can get awkward. So here are the 10 most awkward hugs that you can ever receive. The too long. There's an understanding about how long an appropriate hug should last. And some people just do not adhere to protocol. Hey, Hey. it's so good to see see you. you Wow, it's been so long. Oh, wow. It's so nice to see you. The perpendicular. This is when your bodies create a right angle. Get off. The Wrap. Also known as the forearms of Awkward. Oh, hello. I don't know what to do with my hands. The one-armed full frontal. This is like the normal hug, minus one arm. Oh, hi! Hi. So nice to see you, wow, yeah, Uh, okay, alright. The side hug. For those people in your life, somewhere in between a handshake and a full-on hug. (laughs) 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 The awkward introduction farewell. This is when your friend has just introduced you to someone, and then after hanging out with both of them, you're saying bye, and you don't really feel comfortable hugging the new person yet, but you feel like you should because you just hugged your friend. You know what I'm talking about? Tell me I'm not the only one. All right, man, well, it was really good seeing you again. Yeah, man. So, and nice what, you you, all right, yeah, well, the unexpected. That hug you don't see coming. Hey buddy, oh man, I haven't seen you in so long. It's been so long since I've seen you. I love you, but not like that. The suffocation. We all have that one friend. Hey, hey, hey buddy, man. it's been oh. too Hey, how you oh. doing? Oh, so good. Oh, good oh, to wow. see you. Mm, yeah. And it doesn't stop there. Oh no, it continues with the lift. Hey buddy, <laughs> so good to see you. Mm. And it finds its completion in the ragdoll. Oh! So good to see you! And that's all we got. Did we leave any off? Tell us in the comments below. Now, come on, give me a hug. Come, come over here. Come on, you. Yes, yeah, you. Come here. All
0: right. Stand up. No, 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 no. I'm not going to make you hug. Just give someone a high five. Yeah. People are really nervous. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've just found that, you know, motherhood for me has really made my heart soft. I know pre-motherhood days, I was really selfish. you know, because you know, when you're single, you can just, or when you're married as well, you just walk away, go out for dinner, you know, not worry about any attachments back home like your babies and your kids. But I found that being a mum, and I'm not just going to be talking about motherhood, but I'm a mum, so it just oozes out of me anyway. So I find that being a mum has really melted away some of the irrational fears that I've had in the past, and um, I know some of you have heard my story you know in my mid 30s, I had to deal with my fear of swimming, and uh, you know my it's so when I had kids, I realized you know if my kids drowned i wouldn 't be able to save them. They could save me though, so I put them in swimming lessons <laughs> and uh, and that was really cool until Uh, one of my kids said to me, Mom, can't you swim? And I went, "Uh, no. And they said, but Mom, what if, you know, you're drowning and we can't save you? And I said, yeah, that's why you're in swimming lessons. And so I figured that, hey, Kathy, you've got to deal with this irrational fear of drowning and dying. And uh, I, I kind of had to figure out where did that come from? There's a scripture in 2 Timothy, It's a famous scripture, everybody knows it, but it says in the Amplified Version, I just spat, sorry about that. Um, It says, for God did not give us the spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us the spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind, and self-control. That's awesome. I love that version. So I've got to think, well, God hasn't given me that. He hasn't given me a spirit of fear or cowardice or timidity. And uh, my background is I was a very timid child, very fearful. Um, I blame my brother. I know we shouldn't blame people, but, you know, when he used to babysit us, his... He, There wasn't a kid's channel, so he used to put on a video, and the video would be, you know, like, Omen. I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, It, the clown, you know, the miniseries about the killer clown. Yeah, terrible. And I would, like, have all these fears, like, what if a clown murders me, you know, as a child? And they were irrational fears, because, you know, that's not going to happen. A clown's not going to walk up to me in a kid's party and kill me. But I had these irrational fears, and I found that when I became a parent, I would start to project my fears onto my kids. When I was a little girl, um, there was always a photo of a a teenage girl on our wall at home, and my mum and dad never spoke of her. I'd be like, who was that girl, you know, dad, and he wouldn't say anything until probably when I was older, they explained to me that I had a sister. Um, so when she was 13 years old, she had an asthma attack and died. And so it was something that they didn't really talk about because my dad and my mum were really close to her. And, and so because this happened, uh, when I was a kid, um, I had uh, chronic asthma and my, my parents would just be so fearful that something would happen to me. My mum, you know, the ambulance would come to our house. A few times I'd just have like asthma attacks. And, uh, and like I went to the doctor quite a bit as a child and I always wondered why. And so when I was older, I said to my parents, who was that girl? And they said, that was your sister. And uh, so I, I talked to my mum and dad. And I said, What happened to her? And my dad shared about how he was a new Christian. And uh, uh, it was from his first marriage. And he met my mum. And then they got married. And they looked after um, their daughter. And he loved her. And her name was Arietta. And. Uh, he said to me, you know, Kathy, I was I was actually a Christian when it happened. And he said to me, I was really disappointed that God didn't heal her. She died in the hospital room. What happened was she was allergic to penicillin. And they gave her penicillin and she throffed up in her mouth and died. And I remember my mum explaining to me, we didn't want that to happen to you. And so... Without them knowing, my parents projected that fear onto me. They projected stuff that I don't. I guess they didn't realise, but I had that fear upon me. So when I got married to Sam and we had children, every sniffle my baby would have, I'd be like, oh, my goodness, dying, you know. Let's go to the hospital. Sam would be like, oh, don't be ridiculous. And as the kids got older... I'd be like, Sam, something will happen to our kids. And he said, Kathy, who do you trust in? Are you trusting in your fear right now? Or are you trusting in God? And I realized at that moment that I was trusting in myself and I was hanging on to a fear that probably would have traveled through generations generations. See, what we project onto others, the other person, my kids, they have a choice whether or not they're going to take it in. You know, last Sunday night I talked about uh, second-hand offence. I talked about, you know, when you get offended at somebody and then you go around and you talk about your offence to other people And just like secondhand smoke or passive smoking, it is so dangerous to inhale that smoke. Secondhand offense is just the same. And I would think about all our family, uh, our lovely family uh, traits. You know, I come from a family that get offended really easily. I don't know if you come from a family like that. They get offended at everything. They get offended at how someone looks at them You know, like, did you see the way that person looked at me? Yeah, I hate them. You know, my family were like that. And I grew up like that. I grew up, you know, going, oh, yeah, man, just hold a grudge. But that isn't the life we're meant to live in Jesus. He calls us to forgive. And forgiveness isn't just one time. It's ongoing. I even shared about how Uh, two years ago I had an injury in my shoulder and uh, it wasn't getting any better and the physio said to me, come on, it, it should be getting better. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing all the right stuff. But in my situation, I was standing in a meeting and God said to me, well, I felt God say to me, you need to forgive this person. And he showed me the person's face and I thought to myself, now, this is the, you know, the, the, the family trait, the, offend, the offended Kathy. No, thank you. Don't want don't to forgive that person. I'll forgive them later. And God said to me, do you want to get healed? And I'm like, yes, please. And he said, well, you need to forgive that person. So I'm arguing with God for five minutes going, come on, just heal me. Just heal me one time. Can you just give me a, you know, forgiveness pass right now, God? And so, uh, so I, I stood there and I said, okay, I've got a choice. My parents may project this stuff onto me unintentionally, but I have a choice whether or not I can take that upon myself and pass it on to the next generation. I don't want to pass on a secondhand offence to you. I don't want to pass on my irrational fears onto you. It's not yours. You don't own it. Let it go. And there are some things in our family line that right now we need to cut off. We need to stop right now. And as a mum, I think about my kids and I think about what I put on them. My fears of, oh, you know, you're gonna be hit by a car. You know, stuff like that. And I think, oh my goodness, I can hear my mother coming out of my mouth. You know, that's not a bad thing, by the way. But uh, I had to forgive that person I had to make a choice, okay, Kathy, are you going to let those irrational fears or that offence be passed down onto your family line? We, um, last week, what made me think about this was we made a decision to take our daughter out of the school that she was in, uh, the, the primary school, and put her into a school that was only like a two-minute drive from our house. And I'm saying to Sam, we should have done this ages ago. Uh, and it was one of those decisions where we knew God was saying, yep, this is the right move. And, uh, but in making that decision, I was taken back to when I was in school um, and when I had to move into a primary school and I made no friends. And I was feeling like, oh, man, if she goes into a new school, she won't find any friends. And I'm starting to make decisions for her and in my head. And I'm thinking, oh, Kathy, that was you. Your daughter is not you. And so a comment was said to me, Kathy, don't project your fears onto your kids. And I went, wow. Because God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity cowardice or fear. He's given us love, power and a sound mind. He's given us sound judgment and whatever call we make, we know it's the right call because it's in God. And so when we made this call, I said, thank you, God. This is your wisdom. This isn't mine because if it was mine, it'd be comfortable and I wouldn't even pull her out of that school. And, you know, I, I like to make everyone feel all good about themselves and Sam said, no, we're making the right choice. Which brings me to the thought of melting away. And my prayer today is God would melt away your fears. There's a word um, that is used in place of fear where uh, in the book of Joshua, and also Deuteronomy and uh, Numbers, where it says that their hearts were melted away in fear. Their hearts, because they heard a bad report. There were these 12 spies that Moses sent out. There were two good reports, and the rest of the 10 were the timid 10. So they gave a bad report. And you see, they were promised They were promised a land filled with milk and honey. They were promised that. They knew that was the promise of God. But the children of Israel, the Israelites, their hearts melted away in fear. And, uh, you know, it says in Psalm 97 verse 5, it says that the mountains melt like wax at the presence of God. At the presence of the Lord, the mountains. And for me, one of my mountains? I think to myself, my mountains are probably my mistrust in God. I think, God, I want to trust you more. Can you just melt that away right now? God, I don't want to be fearful. Can you just melt that away right now? Because in his presence, I find that I am secure. I find that I'm more peaceful in his presence. I know I am safe, and I can trust him. And so in Joshua 2.8, this is Rahab's version. She was a spy that uh, was on the enemy's side, but she helped um, Joshua and Caleb. She helped them, and uh, this is her perspective. So this is Joshua 2.8-11. It says, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk to them. And this is interesting. This is from her perspective. This is from the enemy lines. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We were all afraid of you. See, the enemy was afraid of the Israelites. The enemy knew that God was with them. And so she says, everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard... How the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og and the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed, you completely wiped out. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. You see, the enemy enemy was afraid their hearts had already melted that was the enemy's perspective and sometimes we can uh, we can forget who our god is sometimes we can forget and we need to be reminded that our god is a big god there is nothing too hard for our god and there are some moments where i go god where are you? And he's like, where am I? Where are you? Where are you, Kathy, right now in your head? What thoughts are you agreeing with right now? Are you agreeing with my truth or are you believing a lie? When we believe a lie, we enable the liar. When we believe a lie, we're saying, okay, God, we don't believe you right now. But truth be told. God had to remind the Israelites, remember that time when you were in slavery? Kathy, remember that time before you were a Christian? Remember that time when you used to feel alone? You were in a dark space. Remember that time, Kathy, when you were depressed? Remember that time when you just didn't want to live? Remember that time? For me, that was my Egypt. do I want to go back to that right now? No. (laughs) But God has to remind us. I just want to skip a few scriptures. I've given them a lot, but here's a point I want to make. I don't want to be on the side of the timid ten, where what they saw was what they believed in their heads. It wasn't reality. It wasn't reality. And sometimes... When we're going through a hard time or sometimes when we haven't let God in, when we haven't said, hey, God, I think you've got this life thing down packed. I need your help. <laughs> he's the creator. And he's like, "Ah, oh, that's great. That's great now that you agree with me. And in Deuteronomy, I want to read this out because man spoke to me. I don't want my kids, or I don't want anyone who comes into contact with me to wear my fears. I don't want to put on anyone else my my disappointment because it's not theirs, it's mine. And God has given me hope for that disappointment. He is my hope. He is my foundation. He is my life. He is my life. And I just want to read this out. Deuteronomy 1, 33. Then I said to you, do not be terif- terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you. According to all he did for you in Egypt, before your eyes, you saw. You saw the transformation. You saw his salvation. We need to be reminded of that. You saw it. Think back right now. If you are a follower of Christ in this room, think back right now to the goodness of God. Because sometimes when we're in a real stuck moment, we need to be reminded We need to be reminded of his faithfulness. We sung about it. When we worship him, when we start to sing songs of worship, it reminds us that when we were in a pit, he pulled us out of that pit. He gave us new garments. He gave me a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He gave me beauty for ashes. When I was so stuck in the mud, God pulled me out and He pushed me forward. And I have the resurrected life of Jesus living in me. And I need to be reminded of that. He did it before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you, as a man carries his son, and all the way that you went until you came to this place, Yet, for all that, you did not believe the Lord your God. You saw it with your own eyes. He carried you. You felt it. Here's the thing that gets to me. He went out. This is God who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents. To show you the way you should go in the fire by night and in the cloud by day. You saw it with your own eyes. We need to be reminded of this. That in every decision-making process, when you have the Holy Spirit You need to be reminded that God has got your back. You need to be reminded that nothing is too difficult, nothing is too hard for your God. You need to be reminded. I think about the time when my dad passed away. He carried me like a child. He carried me like a son, like a daughter. He carried me. I remember sitting in my car, when Sam got sick in Tauranga, we were on holiday. Most of you have heard this story. I remember sitting in my car, sitting in that moment, going, God, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what's going to happen. The ambulance took him from Tauranga to Auckland Hospital to, to operate on him straight away. Um. I was injured at the time I did my neck and my back and I was sitting in the car and I was weeping I was weeping and thinking God I can't do this anymore but I need you to intervene because I know the doctor said to me he might not make it full of infection And I have to be reminded, have to be reminded that God is good. He carried me like a child through that time. So in my time of projecting my stupid, irrational fears or projecting my disappointment onto my family, God reminds me, remember that time in the car? Remember how Sam got healed? Remember how that happened? At the time it was hard. At the time I was like, he came through. Remember that time when you were struggling to find a school for your girls, you were out of zone and you were like on your knees praying. Yep, I remember that time. Remember people saying to me, Oh, you won't get into a good school. You're in a. Why are you living there for? And Sam and I would just hold hands and go, "We trust him. We trust him." Because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear or cowardice or timidity. He's given me a spirit of love, power, sound judgment. And the promise is. For you today, if you want to hear something, I've been praying for you this morning on my knees, praying to God that He would melt your hearts, that you would be reminded of His goodness, reminded that the highlights of God's goodness would just pop up. Yeah, that's right. Because I know what it's like to go, God, where are you? God, I'm disappointed. I know what it's like and so my encouragement to you is from Deuteronomy from that scripture this is what I want to say to you he goes before you the promise is is that he's so amazing he does all the research already for you he knows you intimately because he created you He went before you. It says that Jesus left his kingly status from heaven. He came down as a man. God came down as a man, as a baby, vulnerable. He searched out and he knew, he knew that we would fail. And because he knew that we would fail, He sacrificed his life for us. And for me, when I die, I don't want my kids to have, you know, only the amazing things on earth. I want them to know their Jesus. I want them to know the Holy Spirit. I want them to have strong faith. That is the most important thing that I want to leave with you this morning is that God loves you. He prepared a place for you in heaven. Some of you know that, but if you don't know Jesus in this room, he loves you so much. And I just want to tell you, we're not (laughs) fail-proof. We're not fail-proof. We make mistakes. But we have a loving saviour. He died. On the third day, he rose again. And I want everyone to stand up. I'm saying that in a nice way. Sorry, like, Stand up, everyone. Anyway. Let us love melt your heart. Not in fear. Let him melt away the things that shouldn't even be in your your heart. Fear, irrational fears, disappointment, offences, whatever it is. God wants to melt away that from your life. Because you know what? If you're not full of God, if you're not full of the Holy Spirit, there's something else replacing that. So, right now, Father, we look to you. Thank you, Jesus. Remind us right now of those times, God, where we've cried out to you and you've come through all those times when we felt alone and abandoned and you came as Father so Father I pray right now that you would melt hearts thank you Jesus your promise still stands great is your